42 minutes after 11 o'clock. Uh, we are back. My pleasure to welcome back to the show Richard A. Bear, A. Bear's Garden Center. How are you, sir? Jeff, doing great. Um, the weather looks fantastic. It looks like it's going to get cooler next week, but not as cold as they said. Maybe in the 40s, highs in the mid to upper 60s. That's pretty good. Yeah, I was surprised by that, too. Mid to upper 40s for lows early next week. Right. I didn't see beyond uh, Tuesday night into Wednesday morning, but... No, I think I think it looks it's looking really good. I mean, that's and that's maybe a little bit too chilly, but I'd rather a little bit too chilly than 85, 86 this early. Gotcha. Yeah. So it's it's looking good. And so we're we're filling the we're filling the place up with a lot of color and uh talk a little bit about uh vegetables, but I want to hit a little bit about one uh sweet potatoes. Sweet potatoes is one that uh people are having more and more interest. So we brought some in this year. And we buy, we buy them through LSU, so there are LSU varieties, one called Evangeline, which is uh, one that's been around, and actually when uh, they grew them in the uh, uh, Opelousas area, it used to be a, a big cash crop, not so much them anymore, but uh, they do surprisingly well. So, so people get interest, interest in uh, planting sweet potatoes. You need a little bit of space, but you can do them in the containers if you have a 15 to 10, 15, 25 gallon container, you could do it in that. The biggest difference in, uh, you know, a sweet potato as, a, as versus Irish potatoes is that you're going to plant the whole potato, you know, the whole potato itself. And uh, you plant it later, whereas the Irish potatoes are planted in February and you harvest them in uh, May and June. Sweet potatoes are planted in March and April, the whole potato itself, so you don't cut them like you do the Irish. And they will sprout, and they will start to vine. Mm-hmm. And then uh, in about middle or end of June, you're going to have some long vines. And, and people always talk above about Above ground? Above ground. Okay. And, uh, you know, we sell a lot of ornamental sweet potatoes. become very, very popular because of the colorful leaves. They've, they've hybridized them, and, and, and they actually have purple leaves and yellow leaves. I don't think I brought any in, but uh, – uh, uh, but they will actually produce sweet potatoes in the ground, but they really, not, not that they're poisonous, but they're really not as the, uh, um, in terms of the taste and, and cookability of the sweet potato ornamental types, it's really not that, not that great. However, this variety of Evangeline is a very good uh, tasting potato, but, but you let these things vine till about the uh, middle of June, and then you cut these vines into little pieces about uh, 8 to 12 inch pieces and these are called slips so you take these slips and you actually poke them in the ground you space them about a foot apart and they will actually spread and kind of makes a, a, a neat cover crop I mean they won't be as pretty ornamental as the, as the other varieties they're just basically green but they will spread and uh, it's a root crop and they will make these uh, sweet potatoes, and they're going to harvest those in around September, October, depending on when you plant them. Um, they do surprisingly well. They do take a little space. Uh, if it's a deep enough pot, as I mentioned, they will actually produce in the pot itself. And you, you, you wouldn't want to put a sweet potato in a hanging basket, although I sell the ornamental kinds in the hanging basket, because you, you're, you're, you're planting those for the looks of the leaves. Whereas the production of a sweet potato, it's a root crop. So you need enough volume of soil if you could do it in the container. It cannot be a shallow container is what I'm saying. And uh, they will produce in the container or in the ground uh, if you have the space. And uh, the, the thing I like about them is that you can actually plant them 
in a in, in a in a container right now to make the slips to make the vines and cut them into slips and then go transplant them and by the time you're transplanting them uh usually the uh the spring crop is kind of uh kind of fading you know a lot of times the tomatoes by the end of june july are kind of fading so you might have some space uh, uh maybe either in your raised bed or uh or in the ground and and they do great so Sweet potato, evangeline, you plant the whole thing, March and April, let them grow, and, tra- and cut the slips off, and then, and then uh, uh, put them in the ground to make the, uh, the fruit in the fall. I'm going to come back to the vegetables. I want to switch now a little bit to the lawns. and So we start now, boy, it's getting hot and heavy now because the temperatures are warm and people want to fertilize. And, and I'm telling people to hold off a little bit, but, you know, it's getting harder to do, Jeff, especially when you get these. I, I don't get why you need to fertilize this time of year because it seems to me, uh, you know, nature is going to do that for you. Well, it, it is, but in order to have a real viable, thick grass, you do want to fertilize. Okay. And, uh, you know, if you just want to maintenance, so you do want to do it. The only hook is that even with temperatures getting to the 40s, if it, uh, it, you, you're not going to kill the grass, but you're going to promote uh, brown patch and other funguses. So I'm telling people now, wait till next weekend, see what the long-range forecasts are. If it's good, I think we're good to go. Even if it gets into the 40s uh, uh, next week, you'll be okay. By the time the fertilizer uh, kicks in, which is about a week, uh, that'll put us at the end of March, Jeff, and I think we're going to be in pretty darn good shape. Uh, but a lot of questions I get on or we're getting right now is, you know, do we have the, the liquid fertilizer, Jeff, where you just hook it to the hose and you go, you go spray the lawn, and as liquid weed and feeds too. Just remember that when it comes, it's real gimmicky. You know, we see this a lot with Lowe's and all, real gimmicky because, yeah, liquids will work really, really fast, but they don't last long. So when it comes to a lawn, you know, if you have a 10,000-square-foot lawn and you want to put a fertilizer that you ain't got to do it uh, twice a week, you know, for three or four months, what you do is you put down a slow-release dry granules Granted, instead of uh, releasing within two or three days, it may release within a week, uh, but it's going to last uh, four to six weeks. So the grains are really the smart way to do it. And, and, uh, and, and just remember, when it comes to weed and feeds, 50% of that bag is the weed part, and the other 50% is the feed. Therefore, a, a, a same-size bag of, of lawn food, and the same size bag of weed and feed will only cover half the area because half of it is a weed killer and the other half is fertilizer. So that's why we always talk about spraying for those weeds, getting prepared for the fertilizer, and then, and, and then it'll be a lot less expensive in terms of, uh, of fertilization because you can go with just the fertilizer as opposed to the weed killer, and it'll cover twice the area that you need to cover. And actually do a much better, better job when it comes to attacking weeds. Uh, you know, spraying them uh, will attack them much better. So, you know, everything's growing, Jeff, and, and, and I get it. You know, everybody's excited, and, and you know, a lot of lawns, there's a lot of weeds out there, and so you want to fertilize, but you can cut the grass. Uh, just you want to hold off on the fertilizer. But I get it, and uh, and this year may be the year that we could do it early, but we just never know. You know, uh, April sometimes can give us some surprises, but right now it's looking really, really good. As it comes to vegetables, we still tell we got it, we we we've loaded the wagons in terms of the uh, uh, the vegetables. We pretty much got everything in, even cucumbers and all that. Uh, because, you know, some people you know, want to take that chance and, and roll the dice. And, you know, this year looks like it's going to be a, a, the odds are going to be in your favor. 
And uh, so we got all the varieties of, of everything. One thing I want to talk about is, in a particular one, is people coming in now uh, for poblano peppers. You know, a lot of these peppers are getting more and more popular, whereas 30 years ago we wouldn't have sold it because we're just uh, – we're, we're getting acclimated to more of the Spanish foods or any food for that matter. And, um, and so they look for poblano, and many of the labels come in saying ancho, okay? So ancho is a poblano. It is just a different stage of the poblano. So an ancho pepper is a poblano pepper that is kept on the vine to dry and become really wrinkly and dry. Once that happens, they call it an ancho pepper. But until that happens, before that happens... Uh, you basically are picking the poblano pepper when it's immature, kind of like a bell pepper. If you left the bell pepper on the vine, Jeff, it would shrivel up to nothing. All the water would, would, would go away. Well, we don't do that. We, when, the, when the bell pepper reaches a certain size, we harvest it. And that's what you do with an ancho pepper. You harvest it when it's tender and soft, and we call it a poblano. So it gets, it gets really confusing uh, when you see that label. Well, no, this says ancho. Well, in reality, it is a immature ancho, and you pick it when it's young, and it's called a poblano. Gotcha. And uh, so all those, I mean, we, we sell more different varieties of, of different types of cayenne peppers, different types of jalapeno peppers, and still only one Tabasco, Jeff. They protect that pretty good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's still only one, one Tabasco. And, uh, uh, and, and so I, I think everything is, is, is really good to go. Uh, I, would, I would say the, the ones that I'm going to hesitate a little bit on is going to be the uh, cucumbers and the squash. Uh, there's really no rush on those two because they grow so fast. Um, but, you know, the other thing is, is that if you're planting, you know, a 12-foot roll of cucumbers, sometimes, you know, you know you're going to spend four or five bucks uh, to plant them. You know, it might be worth the risk to get an early start. But that would be the, the ones that are the most vulnerable to wet conditions that if it gets cold at night or cool at night and we get some wet conditions, they can have trouble. Whereas the, uh, you know, the tomatoes would be fine, the peppers would be fine, the eggplants would be fine. You may have to protect them a little bit, but they won't, they won't get damping off. They won't have other issues that would cause them to head south really fast on you. Gotcha. Uh, other big questions we get is, and I think I talked about this last week, but everybody's coming in or many people come in for snapdragons because they're gorgeous. Mm. They are absolutely spectacular around town, as well as the pansies, but the, the, the snaps are really exceptional. It's too late. You know, it's too late. You can plant them now, and the big boxes are selling them, but they're going to last about another month. That's it. If the temperatures stay this hot, it's going to last less than that. So, uh, you know, hot and dry. If, if it's hot and dry, you got them in a situation that snapdragon west where we're getting the temperatures we're getting now and there's no irrigation, they're going to start heading south on you right now because it's just hot and it hadn't had a lot of rain. Uh, so if you do have snaps and pansies, you, and, and you, you want to go out there and water those uh, twice a week right now until we get some moisture uh, because of the temperatures. And, uh, but even then, Jeff, they're going to last maybe until yeah. the middle and end of April, and that's going to be it. So there's alternatives to that uh, that will do really well. But and I think you've brought some with you. I did some alternatives, but there is one in particular I didn't bring. It's, it's called the Summer Snap, and that's the one you could plant now. It's really it's not a true Snapdragon, but it's, a, it's one that, uh, that looks like a Snap grows upright. Okay, so this is Marigolds, Jeff. And I don't know. Yeah, they do have a smell to them. And, uh, a fragrance. Uh, a Let's fragrance. run with fragrance. We're going to say a smell. <laughs> I don't mind the smell, but many people don't. 
Uh, but the, the reason I mentioned the smell is that marigolds is used as a uh, deterrent for insects. They'll actually put them within the uh, vegetable bed or around the perimeter of the bed, and it's that fragrance that it emits that keeps the bugs away, mm. all right? Now, my father used to say that yeah, the bugs will eat the marigolds first, and then they're going to go after your garden. So he wasn't a big believer in that, and I get it. And the main reason for that is that our insect population is so great in the south, deep south like us, that, you know, Jeff, you know, insects have been started multiplying since January. Now, you go to your neck of the woods in Chicago, and ain't, no insect is yeah. doing anything, right? I mean, it's, uh, they are having extreme cold right now. So y'all have a really short season. So, the, so you know, the, the insect population is not able to build up as much as it is here. You know, we had that one cold week that knocked it down, but since then, Really, since January, February, yeah, pretty and March, mild. it's been extremely mild. And, and, and to agree, it's been extremely warm. And so we're already seeing, uh, you, know, uh, you know, white flies and aphids. We're already seeing that, which is, which is not so much early at this point, but we started, we started seeing it a month ago, which is extremely early. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, for early uh, deterrence, you know, marigolds are a great one. It's also a great ornamental plant, just planting marigolds uh, on your own. The French marigolds are the ones that seem to be the most in, uh, repels the, uh, the insects. I'm not sure why that is. And, um, but it's a great landscape plant. Uh, uh, they come in different sizes. Uh, some will get 8 inches. Some will get 12 inches. Some will get 24 to 30 inches. But for the most part, the ones that you want to use within the gardens will get about 12 inches so they won't compete with the uh, with the vegetables around it. But they come in yellow and orange. These are the ones I brought in, the orange, and uh, uh, this they do extremely well. Uh, let's see. Anything I have left to do on the vegetables? I don't think so for today. But I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, begonias. Uh, Jeff, I bought two identical uh, uh, common begonia plants that you see in the landscape. One has a darker leaf and one has a greener leaf. The darker I was leaf- focusing on the flower the but, flowers, but you're right now i notice big difference in the leaves big, and and the flowers uh, uh which yeah one is white and one is red uh but the big difference the grateful is, dead would say a scarlet begonia <laughs> that's right so this is uh the dark leaf will take full sun or full shade the green leaf has to have shade you know that's kind of interesting i guess it's kind of like uh you know putting suntan lotion on you that darker leaf isn't as sensitive to burning as the uh, green leaf mm. I've seen, Jeff, where if you did plant the green leaf early on, like right now, what would happen, you put it in the sun, it would actually end up being a dark leaf. Mm. And, and so it gets the sunburn, but it survives. And the reason it survives is because the temperatures are milder than if you try to pull this off in about a month. So if you try to do this when temperatures are consistently in the 80s, this green would just fry in the full sun. It wow. wouldn't have a chance to do it. So keep that in mind. Begonias are a... Uh, uh, you, you have so many options today, Jeff, on many different varieties of plants, which is good. But begonia is an old standard one, and uh, I like the leaf shape. I like the the waxy color of the leaves. And as you noted, the uh, you know this bronze leaf has a red flower, uh, but they also come in white. I was going to say that's just coincidence. It's coincidence. And and same thing with the green ones. Uh, they they have uh, this one has a white flower, but it also comes in red and pinks and doubles and variations thereof. 
they're also uh, it's not a real big flower. Do they get bigger? The, the flower itself doesn't get bigger, but they, the quantity of the flower gotcha. uh, gets more abundant, and uh, and so it's, it's very very showy. It can be grown in containers or on the ground. It gets about twelve fifteen inches tall. Uh, one issue with these is, and again, it, it's it's kind of people want instant gratification, so they'll overplant them. Which, as time goes on, remember this plant will get twelve inches tall, and it, it, it'll cover twelve inches. I was going to say that will get wide then too. It, yeah. Exactly. So what happens is, is that uh, these are kind of succulent leaves that kind of have a lot of moisture in the leaves. Not not technically a succulent, but much more moisture in the leaves. So what happens when we start to get into um, you know, our real hot, humid days in the summer times, if they're too jammed together, uh, the leaves won't dry out. And you can actually go in there and just pull the leaves out, and it would just be molded. Mm. So, you know, I, I say no closer than 10 inches, maybe 12 inches apart. So you don't, this is one you don't want to, you know, overpopulate early on. Uh, they'll do fine until we get to July and August when we get a lot of humidity that sometimes we'll have an issue. How long um, does it take? Say you've got that, and is that a four inch, three inch? Yeah, four inch, four inch pot. How long to full maturity for those? I would say temperatures like this about two months. Okay. Yeah, and so you'll have a beautiful plant all summer long, and you can trim. If they get too tall, you just take a pair of hand snips and trim them back, and they'll come roaring back. Uh, 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 great in the container or a pot, and, uh, and we'll talk a little bit uh, in, in a few weeks uh, about leaf color, but. You know, leaf color is something people under underestimate, and these leaves are glossy. They're pretty. I, lo- I love the green green leaf look, and so just remember to uh, kind of keep that in mind when you're uh, going through your selection of plant material. But begonias uh, will also get uh, some uh, called angel wing begonias, charm begonias that have bigger leaves and different type flowers, and they just perform very very well, and and uh, people enjoy it. I did bring uh, this right here, Jeff, is I just throw this in as another vegetable. This is a eggplant. And, you know, down here, Jeff, uh, we're Hard used to. I believe it produ- that's so tiny right now that it produces yeah, th- this. This will get, uh, Jeff, three feet tall and cover a span three feet. And so, yeah, that's a classic uh, uh, what, what happens with people. They plant these things and they're going to put them 12 mm-hmm. inches apart, and they, and be, but they're going to be too big. But the reason I bought this one, this one is called Neon. It makes kind of a, uh, a neon bright eggplant skin, much smaller than a traditional classic or a black beauty, but much milder. Some people don't like the, the strong eggplant taste. This is a very, very mild. We also sell one which actually has a green skin as opposed to the purple, mm. and those are, are not as bitter as the tra- traditional purple, but this one's even milder than that. It has kind of a unique taste. Um, we just tell people is that they won't get as big as a traditional eggplant, but people will use this in cooking, and uh, the people do like them. And uh, production may not be as high, but they do produce well, and uh, and they're becoming more and more popular. There's also one I didn't bring in called Ghost, which is a white round one. Same thing, uh, you know, uh, very mild, less seed in them, and people like that also uh, in smothering and cooking them. But they do very, very well. Okay. Then I bought a little bit. This is to kind of kickstart the uh, uh, the butterfly people who love growing for the butterflies. I saw a butterfly the other day, and I was trying to remember what plant. Uh, 
There's encourages ma- them. Yeah, there are many plants that will flower that will encourage, encourage marigolds is one, lantana is uh, another, but there's a multitude, coreopsis, there's a multitude of flowering plants. Um, um, uh, this one right here will actually attract the larvae itself. So the butterfly will lay the egg, the larvae will eat the eat the uh, the, stem, the, uh, the the leaves off, and then the cycle starts. And they go find the flowers, and and you cycle them out. Um, the, these right here are it, it seemed to peak during uh, the COVID pandemic, where people had a little, you know were kind of at home. And they want to do something with the kids, and it's kind of held on. Where the butterflies are a big deal, Jeff, much bigger than I ever remember. And uh, and uh, but this one will make a orange flower. There's one that makes a yellow flower, and uh, this is the one to capture the uh, the actual butterfly larvae itself. It's great for kids, and uh, and they'll get about uh, 24 inches tall. Bloodweed. And uh, very hardy. I think the biggest issue with these is that people will underplant them initially, not realizing uh, how intense the, the larvae can get, and uh, they will just devour the plant. So they can come in looking for, I got to plant more because these butterflies are looking to, to lay their eggs. And I think they're going to start landing. Normally, it would be in uh, late March and April. I don't know if they're early this year because of the warmer temperatures, but. Uh, uh, I haven't seen any in the nursery in terms of laying the eggs. We'll actually see them. People will come in, Jeff, and look for the larvae itself. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and say, oh, I'm going to take this one because it has the larvae. And, uh, and it, it's, it really is a, really is neat, great learning, too, for the kids. And um, um, we're just starting on all that stuff. Jeff, when it comes to uh, um, uh, color, I mean, you know, we've filled the nursery. We've actually even started with Vinca and Portulaca, which is probably a little bit too early. Um, but if you're just planting a few here and there, I, I think we're, we're okay. If you're doing these mass plantings, it's too early for vinca, purslane, and portulaca. But things like petunias and uh, 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 geraniums, million bells, um, and a bunch I'm not thinking of, Jeff. Uh, you, oh, lantana, coreopsis, uh, verbena, we're, we're good to go. Even if it gets cold, it's not going to get that cold. Even if it freezes, the ones I mentioned are going to be fine. So the issues with the three I didn't mention is that if it does get cool at night and wet, it's like the cucumber plants. They'll struggle. And so you don't want to get too over, uh, you know, anxious and, and start planting big beds of that. But, uh, and you've got plenty of time to plant those because those are all hot season plants. So it's not so much, you know, people worried about planting petunias. I mean, you do want to get an early start in petunias, uh, but – but when it comes to the rest of them, you don't want to get an early start. Other than, other than that, Jeff, we're good to go. And uh, I said the weather stay like it is. No. I, I looked through next Friday and uh, did see one uh, unusually cool day, maybe uh, Thursday night into Friday morning, mid-40s, and only 65 maybe for the high next Saturday, but nothing below the mid-40s. That, so. That's good. All right. Richard, always a pleasure. Appreciate you coming by. Hours these days? We are now seven days a week, so we go Monday through Friday, 8 to 6, Saturdays 8 to 5, and Sundays 12 to 5. Real good. Thank you, Jeff. Take care.